Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome back to Brown Bag Bets, powered by Betsports. We are your daily dose of quick hit handicapping and sports betting picks. I'm Alex Christensen, and joining me as always, Mr. Andy Molitor. And it just occurred to me, Andy, is this really the first weekend without football? Was the Super Bowl really like six days ago? Yeah, it feels like it's been a lot longer it's been since a month the since then. Yeah, it, it honestly does feel like it's been a, a long week. And I didn't even do a deep dive on Wednesday. We we got away with the clip show, which was great. Dan did a great job on that. I sat that I sat and watched the whole thing. Like I sat and watched my own show. It was weird because I was I actually worked on something. Uh, I, I worked on something that day and ended up staying late. But yes, there is XFL. Um, I tried to get uh, you know you want to touch on XFL quick because there no. is some XFL this weekend. I, I, mean, I don't know anything. It. I got nothing to say other than <clears throat> well, I mean, I I did I look confirm. into it, and do you remember what the totals opened up at for the week first week of XFL in twenty twenty? They opened them way too high, didn't they? They were like you low thirties, high thirties, yeah. or something. No, even higher. They were there oh, were wow. some touching fifty when they first opened. They got bet down pretty heavily, and. Basically they closed in the thirties, basically, right? Yeah, basically, and and the two games finished with like twenty something points, so they got beat down to the bejesus belt. And if you bet them all, you went two and two anyway. Um, now, do you know what they're opening at right now? Have you looked at all? No cheating. I'd love a guess here. I did. I just pulled them up, but I would have okay. guessed probably thirty four. I'm looking at thirty five, thirty six. So yeah, looks 30, like it stayed 35. where it was last year. 35 to 37, the average points per game in a 20-game sample size, because, uh, and it's funny, we were just talking about the COVID stoppages, XFL XFL got canceled, uh, so there were only 20 games, the average score was 40, the mean and the median were pretty close together, uh, pretty wide distribution though, there was a lot of games in the 20s, like basically if it went under, it went way under, and if it went over, it went way over. Not a ton of consistency, and like I said, a small sample. But, yeah, they opened a lot lower this week. And if you did go look at actually the closing number and how quickly they got in, pounded into place over the course of, well, I said 20 games or four per weekend, so that's five weeks of football. Uh, totals went 8-12 and 12 overall. So the, uh, you know, the, the unders did pretty well. I think uh, they didn't adjust hard enough the first week. And they started to come in a little, uh, a little more. Uh, I feel like they might have gone four and zero to the under if you bet it early that first week. But you know, like I said, they got pounded. So I'm not sure what to do with these. There's a couple rule changes. It sounds like you do all at. Polish middles. Yeah, you you could do some under stuff, thirty, but... over forty. So <laughs> in the NFL, if you run the ball on first down and you get tackled, the clock keeps running. Shot clock starts. Shot clock. The uh, play clock starts. If you were to throw an incomplete pass, the clock would stop. And the play clock again starts. The game clock starts when the ball is snapped. Not so much in the XFL. And that's where I'm thinking these totals are low for good reason. The, The game clock will run. It is a running game clock no matter what. You go out of bounds... It just keeps going. The the game clock or the the I keep saying shot clock. The play clock will start, and you just have to get after it. You throw an incomplete pass, doesn't matter. Clock runs, and that changes within two minutes. The two minute the two minute drill. They have a pretty extensive like way. The, the clock stops extra. So I do think that the trade off there is definitely leaning hard to the under. 
Yeah. Although they did, they did put some rules in for the offense. You only need one foot in bounds, like in college. Um, like I said, the the clock stuff under two minutes is aggressive. Overtime, you would think actually would see more points on average than an NFL game. They do five two point conversions per team, almost like penalty kicks. So you could you could and then they'll keep going. You just you you take a two point conversion, I believe, from the five yard line. So I, I think overtimes would on average have a few more points. I'd have to look at the conversion rates and something like that. But you'd probably end up closer to eight to ten points between the two teams uh in an overtime like that. So there's a few rules that make it a little more of an ovary league, but ovary league. God, it just said ovary. Over-ish, that's probably a better way to, if I'm going to make up words, I should not use existing words, over-ish. But I would I would really dance lightly on these. Like, even at Bookmaker, sides, you can only bet 500. Like, these aren't getting pounded into, into shape by big money, sharp money. So take it easy on this stuff. And don't forget, the biggest thing, outside of all those rule changes, the players are much, much shittier. Like, no offense to the guys in the XFL. They're not good. Football players than me. But, I mean, they are not NFL players. So, these offenses could struggle early on. So, I don't have a ton I don't have a ton to say about it as far as what to bet or actual, I, I, I guess, pay attention. If you want to bet the XFL, I think weeks two and three are going to be spots for you to get some entry points in on. Pay attention to what happens Saturday and Sunday. Get a feel for how these rule changes affect it. Look at these offenses see you know what kind of uh what kind of scheme they're going to try to run in general and i think you can probably you can probably figure some stuff out with this league so don't no go chance to- we get quarters right because it means I, everything you're telling me feels like we should just play first quarter unders until they adjust them but i imagine those probably don't even open like at this point it's just money line spread and totals i'm saying yeah i i thought about some I didn't even see halves, Alex. <laughs> and yeah. I haven't looked that hard. I looked a couple of days ago, but I Maybe mean, you're tomorrow. right. With, Maybe with the, you know, with the with the running clock, first quarter unders might really be a thing if teams start slow. So we will, you know, this the scripted plays in the NFL. It's not going to be quite as good in the XFL, guys. So no we might have some real, real ugly, uh, like first quarter under, second quarter over kind of stuff. So, um, yeah. I'll I'll probably pay attention because there's not a whole lot going. It's basically XFL and and uh, golf and some you know college basketball and then the All Star Weekend. We're gonna get into a lot of All Star Weekend, but um, somebody brought that up and I talked about it for six minutes. So sorry guys. <laughs> Mateus, I like that. I'm gonna look for those first quarter unders. I mean, again, I don't think they'll open those, but maybe somebody's dumb enough to have them live. Yeah. And the oh one one more rule change was you oh the Daytona 500 apologies. If you if you want some content Brian's been putting out some shorts on this channel. He has some uh he has some NASCAR content. He did pretty decent at times with it especially on some of the super speedways last year. But yeah, first quarter unders maybe a thing. There's one other rule change which is stupid. You can do two forward passes if the first forward pass is behind the line of scrimmage. So you can drop back, throw it to a wide receiver as long as he's standing, he hasn't moved, and then he can throw it forward again. So look forward to that coming into play, like, what, twice all year? That's just a, t- that's a tough play to, like, implement to begin with. So whatever. Daytona 500 all, I bet it's long shots. Golf. Golf is underway, and as bad as my outrights have done, I bet five outrights, guys. 
they are plus one, plus two, plus two, plus four, and seven under. Ooh. Colin Morikawa is now two under through three today. He is tied with Max Homa and Keith Mitchell for the lead. So basically, I have one bullet going because the rest of those guys are, I mean, best case, eight shots off the lead. And for the most part, it does look like the cut line is going to come in at even, minus one, somewhere in there. So it's going to be a bit of a struggle. Speaking of struggles, as Dan pointed out, Tiger kind of falling apart. He ended yesterday with three straight birdies. Giving the tampon people, handoffs today. Yeah, the tampon handoff. People had, you know, given some glimmers of hope to their, you know, their big plus money to make the cut prices. But it appears that playing out in the cold this morning and um, after a, you know, long walk yesterday is not doing his body a world of good. So two over through four. Hopefully he can uh, straighten it out if you have some Tiger bets. Just fun to watch him play, watch the crowds around him. But I do have one matchup before we get heavy into the All-Star weekend. Um, I played a couple today, and <clears throat> generally it's one I one I try to stay away from is, hey, here's a golfer who played well on Thursday versus a golfer who played poorly on Thursday. I avoided it on Thursday, and now I'm betting it on Friday because – if you watch these golf outright markets or excuse me, matchup markets, you'll see a lot of the same daily matchups between the same two golfers on Thursday and on Friday, obviously with adjusted prices, according to how it goes. And, you know, Kitayama finished three or four shots better than Moronk. I'm not even sure I say his name right. He's mostly a European golfer. He's had some decent results over there, but just looking at, uh, you know, some of the stats pre-tournament, I would have made this, a pretty decent disparity. Some of the, the form stuff isn't there, but uh, Kitayama has been a lot better with the second shots. And, I mean, ball striking numbers, not too far off, but uh, it's hard to take some of those European tour stats and properly marry them with PGA stuff. I mean, it's like, noobs, if you, if you did player props and the guy played for Olympiakos for the last six months yeah. and came to the NBA. How are, how are you going to price those props properly? And, you know, not, 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 yeah, not, I'm not is the answer. I'm just not. You can, you can do a little work with that. You know, how you want to weight European tour results. You can still look at those fields and see how strong they were in general. And I still make this a bit of value. So Kitayama over Moronk minus minus one twenty. This is one that doesn't start for quite a while. The other one I bet um, I didn't pull the same asshole movies yesterday. I could have given out Corey Connors over Scott Sawlings, if you want, since they're both on the seventh hole already. But I did not. I learned my lesson. I will only uh, talk about plays that are yet to happen. Although, I'd be pretty good at handicapping yesterday's golf if I ever came to that. So, without further ado, All-Star Weekend is underway. What are the, What is the schedule of festivities? Is there something tonight? I feel like there's something tonight. Tonight, there's a celebrity game and a bunch of just kind of nonsense. There isn't too much worth watching tonight. Um, tomorrow, you get into all the contests, though. Um, Saturday, I love all NBA All-Star Saturday. You get the dunk contest, so the three-point contest, the skills challenge, um, some of the Rising Star games. Um, the Rising Star tournament will be tomorrow, the first two games for that. So that's all a lot of fun. And there is one fly in the ointment, Andy. I don't know if you saw in the NBA chat, but Giannis Antetokounmpo hurt his right wrist. So um, he is supposed to be one of the captains for the All-Star teams to draft. That throws a little bit of fly in that ointment. And I'm mostly disappointed that it screws up the skills challenge. Yeah, um, I don't know if you remember. Kumpo. 
Yeah, I don't even remember the format from last year, Andy, but they have three teams. They have a passing contest, and then I forget what the, fir- the first contest is, like a running shooting kind of thing. Yeah. And then the top two teams from that basically go into a half-court shooting contest. Um, and it's basically just like a coin flip by the time they get there. So I was excited to bet the Atentacumpos, but they're going to have to make an adjustment there. But my favorite contest of all of them, I used to, I mean, the dunk contest, I am a dunk contest defender. I still think it's great. I still love watching it. You know, it's not as good as obviously it was when I was a kid, no. but maybe that's because I was a kid. Um, I still love it. But the best contest is the three-point shootout. So let's start there. It's just, I love this. This is awesome. I could watch guys do this all the time. If there was a league where it was just guys doing three-point shootouts, I would probably get into that. But is there is there any differences to the rules this year? I know they changed stuff up constantly do we still have like the mountain dew code red bonus ball thing or what's going on here yeah so you've still got a money ball in every rack and then you've got your money ball rack or the mountain dew rack or whatever so um pretty much the same rules as last year and my handicap for this is is pretty simple you know basically we have data on two types of three-point shots you either have a catch and shoot three where you're standing your feet are set you're ready balls delivered to your chest and you shoot it or a pull-up three where you're dribbling or you're doing some kind of maneuver and then you have to gather and come up. I look at that pull-up three-point shooting percentage. I basically throw the catch-and-shoot numbers kind of out the window because it's anyone that's played basketball that knows there's a much different rhythm to catching the ball and shooting it. Your feet are good, you're locked in, you're kind of ready to go, but having that skill to be able to grab the ball and pull it up because, again, this is strange. Not a lot of people spend their time practicing reaching down on a rack, picking a ball up and shooting it. So um, I find that those pull-up shooting numbers have been a lot more indicative and a lot more helpful over the past years. Um, and then this is tough. It is a lot of shots. Uh, you know, you want a bigger player, um, shorter players. Again, the exception of the rule always being Steph Curry, but really anybody 6'3", 6'4", or shorter has really struggled. It's just, it is. It takes a lot of physical power to get through all those racks, to run around, to do all that stuff in a short period of time. And just the bigger body frame, if, you know, you don't want guys that have to really jump while they're shooting, basically. It's a lot simpler motion. So as I look at this, the favorite. And it's, I so, it's so silly to say, like, that you get tired out shooting, just taking shots from a – I mean, you run around a very minimally, but you do see, like, it's tiring. I mean, it's it's a guy like if you had to take batting practice except a ball was coming every second. Like, you, you know, doing something you normally do, but over and over and over and then, you know, jogging around a little, you do see guys like tire out and get shitty on the last couple racks. And uh, I think like, did, do you think it matters where they put the money rack as far as like some of the guys who've done well? I think they, they are you an early money rack or are you a late money rack kind of guy or just put as it long as rack. it's in a corner. As long yeah, as it's in one of the corners, you. I don't care. Thank like, you. Thank you. The guys that put it, uh, I can understand putting it at the top. You're really comfortable at that point. And yeah. there's an argument for that being kind of now you're in the middle. You're your best rhythm you're shooting, but it's corners for me. Anybody that puts it on those um, angles, basically, that's oh. you're done. And yep. um, that's always tough to know what these guys are going to do until they actually get out here. Pretty much everybody puts it in the corners. And part of the reason that I do, you know, I don't mind a bet on the favorite. I did bet Buddy Heal, but at plus 425, you know, he is the best by a little bit pull-up three-point shooter. He is the best wide-open three-point shooter, basically, in this field. Again, four to one, he's won this tournament before. So he knows what the contest is going to be like. He has that experience. He kind of knows where to put stuff. I-, I thought about betting that, but two much nicer numbers if you go a little further down the board. Um, again, check around. These numbers are a little different all over the place, but Laurie Markkinen, who I've talked about a couple times already, again, a big guy. This is going to be really easy for him, not, you know, taking big jumps. He shouldn't get himself too tired out here. Um, you know, 
plays in Utah as well. It's going to be used to kind of the altitude and all that stuff, which has to help a little bit. Plus 750. You know, again, I look at some of the pull-up numbers. He is a top three pull-up shooter. He is uh, the third best um, wide-open three-point shooter in this contest. So, again, all the numbers for shooting the season match up, and again, like that. And then Tyrese Halliburton, I was a little surprised to add this one, but um, as I look down, he has the third best pull-up percentage and a pretty good wide-open percentage. He also has um, the highest volume. He basically spends, I didn't realize this, Tyrese Halliburton pulls up for almost five and a half, three-pointers a game. So, a lot of practice kind of with emotion, a lot of really good results. Um, someone also that I like and expect to be very motivated this weekend after a particular NBA analyst called him the non-all-star Tyrese Halliburton Burton basically over and over and over again, just flying in the face of his just he's incredible. He's a great all-star. He's going to be one next year and for years to come if he stays healthy. So give me two big dogs here, plus 750. I'll take Halliburton and Markinen to win the three-point contest. Don't mind Buddy Heald. If you're looking for a one-bullet approach, just take Heald. I like the big dogs. And, you know, and Coogan says, where is this all-star game at? It is in Salt Lake City. I believe the Mormon Tabernacle Choir will be doing halftime. I cannot, I cannot confirm that. As much as, uh, actually, you know what? I'm I'm fine with the Mormon. I used to hang with some Mormons. Like I didn't know them, but they they'd walk around our town in college, and we'd always invite them under the the front the front uh, porch couch to hang with us. Little nice guys. So, yeah, Salt Lake City this year. So not exact. I'm I'm not worried about people being. Coming into this hungover, I guess, is maybe the main takeaway from that. Well, the Mormons, I mean, little known fact, Andy, the Mormons financed a lot of the building of Las Vegas. That's crazy. I always, I always forget about that part. I should go to Vegas, God, right now. Um, I like the big dogs. <laughs> and, I mean, it's wide open because the guy who is obviously going to crush this is not playing right now as our defending champion is sitting out. That was so fun. My daughter couldn't couldn't fathom that she's like but he's like a big guy i'm like yeah but watch it it's i'm like i bet he makes like the semifinals and sure barely has to even jump just stands there flip of the wrist just flip so all right what uh what else we got on saturday What, what is the order i know we went to the dunk contest that's not actually the first thing dunk contest is last it usually yeah. is skills three-point dunk and then the rising star games they put in because that's the second thing we'll talk about they put together this kind of rising star tournament if you will it used to be the rookie sophomore game which you know was kind of not a real really very exciting so what they did was turn it into basically a four-team tournament where you've got three teams built of um, rookies and sophomores and then a fourth team of all g league players basically give those guys a chance to play on the big stage um they're randomly sort everybody one team plays the other the third team plays the fourth team the winner of those two games plays for the championship and um one of these rosters looks much much better um than the other four so you've got team Dar- darren which is led by darren williams team um joakim which is joakim noah team pow which i assume is pow gasol um and then team jason i'm not sure who jason is but he's le- coaching the g league team and team pow is stacked they've got um Rookie of the year favorite, Paolo Bancaro. Second rookie of the year favorite, Benedict Mathurin. Scotty Barnes, last year's rookie of the year. Jay Divey for Detroit, who's been great. Keegan Murray, Andrew Nemhart, and then Jose Alvarado. 
it's a really fantastic roster. Um, oh, that's Jason Terry's team. Thank you, Dan. That, that is a lot of fun. And oh, God, don't tell The next Mamba. closest team, you know, uh, Joachim Noah's team, they've got Evan Mobley. They've got Josh Giddy. But as you get further down there, that team doesn't look nearly as good. And then Team Dar- Dar- um, Duran, you know, Jalen Green's really good. I like Shangun and Franz Wagner, but the rest of the spots aren't nearly as good. So I love Team Powers, you know, and again, a lot of these are smaller bets. But as I'm starting to handicap this, I have them as comfortable favorites over all three of these teams. So if we get a little bit lucky even and they get that um, – G League Elite team in round one. There's a, I think, a bunch of value in this. I mean, they're going to be, it should be huge favorites over them, solid favorites over the two. And as I started combining the pro, uh, prices together, it's basically a parlay of them to win those two games. I kept coming up with like plus 130, plus 140. And again, not the sharpest handicap in the world, but plus 175. Give me Team Pal and all the rookie of the years. I'm digging it. I'll probably bet that too. I'm going to see if someone's going to let this. So, all right. The dunk contest. This is uh this is it. This market has moved. <laughs> this is the big one. And yeah, that's the thing too. So Mac McClung, Texas. If you remember the Texas Tech teams that made some runs, you probably remember him. If you watch the G League, you know of this guy. If you if watch YouTube, YouTube of him, if you're a YouTube guy, he was four, four and a half to one. Everybody and their sister, their dog, their aunt, their uncle and their friends across borders bet this yesterday. There's places that are hanging minus 110, minus 120 on Mac McClung. I was looking for a two-way market or some way to just – I was actually just going to you know put the other three together and Dutch it. Like, Mac McClung doesn't win. But I like fun, so I'm not going to do that. Are you, are you touching this at all at this point? No, again, I hope everybody went out and grabbed the plus 400 when I kind of mentioned it yesterday or earlier in the week casually because, um, yeah, it got nuked and – he should be the favorite. Now, I don't know if anybody in the dunk contest should ever be plus 125, but dunk contest winners, you need freak athletes. Big guys basically never win this contest. Big guys kind of have the double edge problem of number one, they're tall, they're freaks. Everyone expects you, you them didn't to have be to freaks. jump very It's high. easy for them to dunk. They don't have to jump or do anything spectacular. And number two, it's harder for them to jump. There's a lot more weight that they have to move around. So we expect something spectacular, and it's actually harder for them to do something spectacular. So let's cross Jericho Sims right off the list. With all due respect, he's a good athlete. Maybe it'll be fun, but you know, a, a big guy, that's kind of too tough. Um, Trey Murphy and Kenyon Martin. I don't really know much about Trey Murphy, to be perfectly honest. I'm not sure what kind of level of athleticism he has. We know Kenyon Martin Jr. is great. You know, that would be kind of the underdog sprinkle I'd look for if you get in a little bit late. But McClung wants to win this contest. His whole life has been sort of building up to this. I mean, he's a professional basketball player because of a lot of his dunk highlights. He makes a point and do a crazy stuff in games. I mean, and it's he's a he's a short guy. He's only I think about six foot two. So everything he does is going to look impressive. And he was doing an interview the other day, and I'm probably overreacting to this, but he claims that there are at least two dunks that have never been done in the dunk contest before. And as someone that is a bit of a student of this. I'm excited to see someone try something they believe is different. There's got to be some new way to do something. And just that alone, if he comes out in the first round, it does a dunk no one's ever seen. And then that gets him to the final. And then in the final, if he does a second dunk no one's ever seen, it's over. Yeah. It's done. Wrap it up. Wrap it up. So, yeah, I'm probably just going to be a a spectator. Obviously, I want to watch it. So. I'm, I'm pumped for it. Probably not betting at this point since I didn't get a good Mac number. We'll cheer for yeah. and I'm cheering. I'm cheering for what you're cheering for. I'm cheering for a dunk I haven't seen because we, I feel like we've seen everything. Uh, Kevin it could be Quick a lot asks, of winning you, without having to place any money. 
How do you bet the actual game since we know the teams until right before? You probably don't. Or live bet it. Um, don't forget, we um, assuming we still have the Elam ending. If you think that total is way too low. Do you remember what low, that is? I'm excited to see if you remember what that is. So the Elam ending, they'll they'll just set a, a total in the fourth quarter. And they'll say, you know, let's say it's 120 to 100. And I think they used Kobe a couple years back. So they said, we'll take the winning, the team who's winning and add 24 to it. Because that was his, uh, one of his numbers. So if it was 120 to 100, the first team to 144 was your winner. So the team who was behind had an uphill battle. Very good. But, yeah, didn't have to uh, completely, uh, you know, completely overdo it to, to get there. So, it, and it does, it limits the amount of points you can have in the fourth quarter, especially, and the closer the game, the more it limits it. Like in, the, in that spot, if it were a tie game, the, I think the most points you could have had was 20, you'd have uh, 23 plus 23 is 46 plus three is uh 49. So you could only have a 49 point quarter in that case in a game that has like hundred point quarters. If people, start having fun. So take it easy on the live betting, realizing we're having a funny ending. And let's talk about that draft. I think there's an actual angle here, Mr. Alex on uh, drafting rather than betting the game. Yeah. I mean, the game itself, I'm surprised that people have been betting it. Um, it opened, yeah. I think LeBron got out to a two point favorite at one site at some point yeah, for some reason. Um, Giannis was a money line favorite at offshores for a little bit while. And again, uh, we, we probably can't touch the game at this point because it doesn't seem like Giannis is going to play. I'd be surprised if he does. So they've got to pick a new captain and then slide a new guy in there. But um, the draft itself, we know LeBron James is going to have first pick. No matter who they slide in, he had the most all-star votes, and, and the first pick is his. And there's an angle I, I like quite a bit here. Um, who's going to be the first pick? And you, you go back and look. Look is the deserving favorite. He's the best player by a mile here kind of in, in this spot. Maybe not by a mile, but he's the best player, especially in an all-star game um context with what he's going to be able to do Kyrie Irving is the second favorite simply because LeBron James might want to have him on the team and spend the whole game talking to him about coming to the Lakers which I roll my eyes at that um they're hanging out all weekend they can hang out anytime it's LeBron doesn't need some special all-star game to make Kyrie Irving feel special so they can talk about coming to the Lakers now again maybe he does it because he, he knows Kyrie will like that or maybe it'll make him like a little better but if you go back and look historically LeBron takes a big man um, he's had the first pick ever since they started doing this draft. And outside of Kevin, he's drafted Kevin Durant, Anthony Davis once, and then Giannis the rest of the times. He comes out, he takes a big guy first, basically, and then grabs the guard kind of on the wraparound. And again, if you're looking at this and you think to yourself, you know, what's the other guy going to do here again? Maybe Luca's pulled out as captain, and that kind of throws everything else off here. But I think he I was, just, I was just going to ask if there's a name here that could be a captain and would, you know, suck the value out of a. Uh... That's all. Oh, I mean, add value to Embiid. Is there any chance Embiid's a captain? I think it goes by all-star vote. Okay, I'm not okay. 100% sure on that, but I think Luca had the third most all-star votes. Again, I'd have to go back and look. But, um, yeah, somebody will get pulled out here. But I don't think Embiid will be pulled out as the captain. But if he doesn't, it, it looks like the absolute first pick here for LeBron, given kind of how he's done this. Um, Embiid is the one real true big man here in this draft. I mean, Jokic is great, but – he doesn't get picked very high in this. I'm not sure why. I think part of it is that Jokic doesn't value the all-star game as much as some of the domestic players do. Um, 
He doesn't quite try as hard. I mean, it's fun. He's out there making all sorts of crazy passes and stuff. But LeBron likes to win this game. And, I, and we know that Embiid cares quite a bit about it. So give me Joel Embiid to be the first pick of the all-star draft at plus 425. And, yeah, Kevin, you got to go offshore to find this. Um, again, maybe some legals will have this up by tomorrow. I'm not sure, again, given how things have been messed up a little bit with Giannis. And I know PA can't have doesn't have this, but we never have fun stuff like this. Because when I like to bet on stuff that happens can't during nice the game. Things. So no Can't have nice things in, in the like Keystone that. State. So, all right. All-Star Weekend, guys. Enjoy your weekend. Uh, go Colin Morikawa. That was a great grab by me. As uh, I, I do, I do want a little victory lap on all the books came out on Sunday, and he's 20, 22, and I said, no I'll, wait for, I'll, I'll wait for bookmaker. 27. Got a 27. Lasted for like two hours. That was it. So if nothing else, I got a great number on him, and I wish him the best of luck. Great win by the Wizards last night. Yes, true. Good pick there. And, yeah, we'll catch you guys Monday.